Good to see you. So great to have this conversation with you. Pastor Steve started last week. And this idea of integrity and generosity, how both are together. You know, as we hear from people, you know, our desire for us is that you can hear not just from the pastors of this community, but you can hear from the people that come through those doors. And that you can actually connect with the story of everyone, not just with us, but everyone. And you know what? Generosity is a, tends to be a complicated conversation because a lot of us, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I can be a little bit more generous. And I think that one of the things that I have found out, the, one of the hardest things for me to be generous is with my time. You know, when, when Pastor Steve gave me the conversation that I was going to be talking about time, I was like, give me about something else. Time is not, you know, like this is a conversation that I need to keep working on my own life. But today I want to elevate the conversation and invite us into this journey as we look at, to, the, to, the, to the life of Jesus and the things that we can learn from him. Now, before we jump into this, I just want to welcome you. This is your first time. We just want to welcome you. So good to see you. Good to have you with us. Uh, hopefully you feel at home, that you have a family, and that we're going to give you Costco pizza. Yeah, there you go. What, what, better, what better gift do you want? You know, Costco pizza. It's just the best. And I love Costco pizza, let me tell you that. And, um, and I just want to also mention, again, you know, we have our neighborhood community groups. We want you to invite you to be part of that. There's going to be great conversations, food, uh, food again, you know, like, I don't know. There's many things happening. But one of the most beautiful things is you, you will have community and have great conversations. And you will be able to see the heart of discovery and as we follow the ways of Jesus. And today, if you're here for the first time, we just want to welcome you. And uh, as we jump into this conversation, I just want to make sure we all are in the same page. You know, uh, integrity is this idea of the state of being whole or undivided. You know, we live in a culture where they're trying to disintegrate ourselves, our, our, our people, because we live in different pieces in life. And no wonder many times we find ourselves anxious and depressed because we have to keep up with all the little pieces that we have in our lives. And Jesus is trying to bring wholeness, integrity, consistency in our lives. And I believe this is part of the conversation. Generosity needs to be part of the equation in your life to become whole. You know, one of the quotes of Erwin McManus and Pastor Steve mentioned that wholeness is not found through receiving, but through giving. Wholeness and generosity are inseparably linked. Paradoxically, we become whole as we give ourselves away. So as we talk about generosity, I'm sure many of us have experienced disruptions and interruptions in our lives. Can we be honest? Sometimes these disruptions and interruptions in our lives require from us the structure, the structure that we have developed in our lives, the disciplines that we have developed in our lives, the plans that we have make ahead of everything. It's very hard for us to let go of those things in our lives. And I'm very jealous of my time, if I'm quite honest. Even if I waste my time, I'm very jealous of that. I'll be honest, yeah. So I want, I want for us to look for a moment in the interesting story in the life of Jesus. That if we're pursuing wholeness, and if Jesus is the ultimate picture of wholeness, we should see how he reacts to these moments of disruptions. And we found 
A beautiful story that if you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard this story many times. But if, if you can follow me to Luke chapter 8, verse 40. If you don't have your Bibles, we have it here on the screen. Do not worry. And it starts this way. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man, Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by a crowd. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And as she, could, she couldn't find no cure, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fridge of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Jesus says, Who's, who touched me? Jesus asked. Everybody denied it. And Peter, Peter always has something to say, finally. Yeah, he always has something to say. Master, this whole crowd is press, pressing, up, uh, pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I feel healing power go out from me. Before we jump into this conversation, may I pray for a moment? If you feel comfortable where you're at, can you close your eyes for a moment? Jesus, we thank you this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be in this space. And I don't know what everybody's going through, but I know that you know. My desire, God, is that you can bring freedom, perspective, wonder into people's hearts this morning, Jesus. As you invite us into this journey of integrity and wholeness, God, Help us understand what you desire from us. That we have the boldness to sacrifice what we hold dear to us. And you name Jesus, we pray. And discovery says, amen. You know, one of the things that I have learned about myself is that I'm a crazy driver. Can I just be honest with you? I'm a crazy driver. Look, living in L.A. doesn't help much. Growing up in Mexico, either. You know, you just have to be wild. There's no courtesy about driving. There's no low, go. You have to, you just have to be wild. And you have to go first. And you have to be, you know, intentional about what you do. So as come, coming into the northern California and living in a probably slower pace of life, this is just driving me crazy. I'm just driving and I'm like, people, who told you how to drive? This is crazy. And now I live in an intensity constantly, unnecessary, but I just live there. I just, I'm honest. And Gabby and my wife, if you know my beautiful wife, she is done with me. She doesn't want me to drive. It's complicated for her. You know, it just causes a lot of anxiety on her. And many times, I'm trying to be better at this. I'm trying to arrive on time to my meetings, where I go. And sometimes I'm not that good. So I leave home late, and I'm driving through the streets, through the freeway. And one of the things that irritate me the most is, like, everybody knows that I'm going late. Because all of a sudden, I'm driving, and all of a sudden, I see this car coming in front of me, and they decide to slow me down. And I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? Like, did you guys just talk to each other because you, know, you knew that I was going late, and now you're trying to slow me down? And I'm having all kinds of conversations with myself. I'm frustrated. I'm anxious. I'm late. I'm upset. All kinds of feelings, family. And I'm just trying to figure out how to go around because this person in front of me 
they have another land that they can go, decide to go in my land and slow me down. And yeah, I know that for some of you guys don't, don't probably relate with this, but this is my own issues, family, that I have to deal with. I have to go to counseling about this several times a year. But one of the things that I have noticed about that in my own life is that I take the same attitude into my own life. That I have goals in my life. That I have a mission and a vision that I'm trying to accomplish in my life. That I want to do things in my life. And I'm just going fast and intense. And it doesn't matter what is on my way. And what I notice about Jesus is that Jesus comes. Is that car that comes in front of me and it slows me down. I need you to slow down. And sometimes we don't take that as a gift. See, the reality, family, is this. I notice that the way I spend my time, the way I, the rhythm of my life is dictated for what I value the most. The reality is that Many of us, we have careers, we have businesses, we have jobs, we like to make money, we like to develop an abundant life, and that's okay. But sometimes in our culture, we have put all those things on top, and below is people, below is community, below is spiritual health. It doesn't matter, I just need to do all these things. And we have become so obsessed about those things that we have missed other things that matter a lot too. See, and this doesn't mean, I don't want to make you feel bad because I don't want you to feel like, oh, man, yeah, I'm that person. It doesn't mean that you hate people. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't want to spend time with people. It just means that we value different things and we have different priorities many times. And as we have this conversation about wholeness, I believe it's also an invitation to rearrange and reorganize our priorities. Wholeness. It's inviting us to reorganize our priorities. Because if we see the life of Jesus, friends, we have a man that had three years to execute his vision and mission in life. Three years. If someone was busy, if someone had an agenda full of things to do, it was this man. The man that transformed humanity. How do you live all that in three years? Some of us wouldn't, in a lifetime, we don't, probably would live what he lived in three years. In three years, he lived in mission and vision. But see, one of the things that I noticed about the life of Jesus is that he did value people, but he valued intimacy more than just people in general. That he valued community, but he was intentional of who he spent time with. See, one of the things that I... Kids usually teach us a lot of things. And they teach us how sometimes we should live life. You know, I, have, I teach sixth grade in back of a Christian high. And many, many times, there you go. We have someone that teaches there too. Um, one of the things that I notice about this sixth graders, you know, they're wild. Sixth graders, they're just like intense and, and they're just talking, you know. But once in a while, they just surprise me a lot. And they just... You know, it's a reflection sometimes of, like, what I'm feeling inside of me. And this week I was talking to this young girl, you know, beautiful young African-American girl. 
she's always have the best shoes in the class. And I, I make sure that I point that out. But, you know, she's the type of girl that doesn't care about what you say. It doesn't matter if you, 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 you give all kinds of, you know, uh, you, you flatter her or whatever it is. And I'm trying to win her over to know her, but she's not that type of girl. She's not the girl that she's going to, you know, go with it if you if, affirm her with anything. And she's very quiet all the time. She never shares anything. And this week, I remember we were having a conversation, and, and, and one of the questions was, hey, what do you want your teacher to know about you? And she right away raised her hand. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. What do, you want, what, do you, what do you want me to know? And she told me, I don't like small talk. Excuse me, how old are you? She said, I don't like small talk. I was like, okay. I said, so you like deep conversations? She's like, yes. I don't like small talk. I don't want superficial relationships. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, thank you for reminding me. I appreciate that. And it was a reminder of I believe what Jesus was saying. Did I feel that he values intimacy? See, you, you can see what Jesus value for how he spent his time. Where he invests his time. To, with who he invests his time with, you can see the things that he value by the way he spent his time. I don't know about you, but um, I was watching a movie actually a couple weeks ago that I watched maybe 10 years ago. It's called In Time with Justin Timberlake. I don't know if you know Justin Timberlake. I'm sure you guys know Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake fan right here. Night is kid. I'm not ashamed to say it and sing all day. I don't care. You don't like me. But you know what? I watch anything that comes, you know, with Justin Timberlake. And I was watching this movie called In Time. And pretty much the, the, the idea of the movie was that in that time, the, cur the currency of that time was time. That you will get paid with time. You will purchase things with time. That if um, you, people will steal time, you know. And it was according to the amount of time that would dictate the social economic status that you had in that place. That also de determined the rhythm and the intensity of the way you live life, pretty much. And in one of those times, you know, Justin and his character, he, he was born in the poorest area where they would live an intense life. They would run everywhere. They would do things very fast. And randomly, this, you know, this very wealthy man came and gave him all his time. And he was able to go into the district where the most affluent people were. And when he was in that district, when he was eating, the waitress came in, asked him, hey, you're not from here, right? And he was confused. He was like, how do you know? She, she was, because you do everything too fast. She was like, oh, okay. You know, I can, there's so many things that I can talk about this movie. But one of the things that I just captured my attention is that I believe time is a currency in our time too. That the way you spend your time, the way you invest your time, you can know someone's heart by how they spend their time. Pastor Steve would say that time is the way you spend love. That shows you what they love. That shows you what they love. And some of us, we, we, we believe if we just have more time, we will give it away. If I just have more time, I will tend to this place. If I just have more time, I will serve in this place. 
If I had just more time, I would respond to the calls and, and serve during the week. If I just have more time, I will do something. But I love what Erwin McManus says in his book, Arising. He says that when we're broken, there's never enough. There's never enough. And I believe this is the reason why Jesus is trying to put the pieces together in our life and bring wholeness into our own hearts. And I know I'm talking to very busy people in this room. I know. I know that you have a lot on your plate. And I don't want to make you feel bad because you have a lot on your plate. Because some of you guys have the resilience to sustain a lot. Some of you guys have the capacity to sustain a lot. But this is the problem. It's not having a lot the issue. The issue is when you have a lot and to keep the quota up is adding more to it and living a very hurry type of life. See, Pastor John Mark Comer says the busyness is a threat against our spiritual health. That's the biggest threat. We do not have time for anything. See, if we want to pursue a life of wholeness, a heart that is not divided, integrity, a single heart like Eugene Peterson uses in the, trans, in the message translation, Generosity needs to be part of that equation, friends. See, generosity is part of the overflow of love. And love not only expands our hearts, but increases the capacity to give ourselves. In other words, friends, generous people invest their life in the, into the prosperity of others. I'm going to say that again. Generous people invest their life into the prosperity of others. This is the life of Jesus, friends. He gave himself for the prosperity of others, for the flourishment of others, for the transformation of others. And the beauty about, about generosity is that it's not only transforming the people that receive it, but it's transforming you as well. Talking about Jesus, you know, if someone had a mission and vision was him. There's places that he, he didn't go. There was a group of people that he didn't talk to. So he used his time very intentionally, but he always lived his life with open hands. Going back to the story that I just read to you in Luke chapter 8, saying in the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they have been waiting for him. And you have this man, Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue. Friend, you see Jesus in this moment. He's living the mission and the vision that he had for humanity. He's going with people. He's healing people. He's preaching and communicating the good news. He's speaking to people about this reality of the kingdom and what happens when you give yourself to this reality. He's doing his thing. And all of a sudden, you see that this man, Jairus, comes to Jesus and he's desperate. And he is asking Jesus, I need you to come because my, my daughter, 12 years old, she is dying. Can you come? And I just want to point something out, friends, how important this is. I do not, I cannot recall how many times the religious leaders publicly ask for Jesus' help. Publicly. I might say this is the only one, but I might miss it. Maybe it's the only time that these religious people ask for Jesus' help. 
And this is a great opportunity for Jesus to come into this, this group of people because most of the time they will argue with him. Jesus will get irritated with them. But that doesn't mean that he didn't love them. That doesn't mean that he didn't care for them. That doesn't mean that he didn't want to have a relationship with them. And this was a great opportunity for Jesus to connect with this group of people. So I would say, go, Jesus. This is a very important moment. Just go. And Jesus goes. But in the process of all that, on his way to heal this girl, this woman sneaks out and disrupts Jesus' journey. She touches him. Now, I want you to notice that he says that he right away, he says, somebody touched me. And Peter, of course, the one who always has something to say, he's like, come on, Jesus. Everybody's like, you have a lot of people around you. Of course people are going to touch you. He's like, no, 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 no. Something came out of me. And I need to know who this person is. Now, family, I want you to understand something. I want you to notice Jesus' reaction. He's trying to know who touched him. And he's pausing in his journey to a life and death situation. He decides to pause in this moment. He's trying to know who touched him. And I believe that's very valuable. I heard that flexibility is a superpower. And that sometimes you need to bend so you don't break. See, Jesus lived with an open hand when it came down to his time. Jesus, Jesus constantly encounters people and moments where I would say that was not part of the agenda of the day. Jesus always encounters people, and he, he always interacts with them most of the time. He embraces the moment. He gives himself to this group of people because those moments matter. And sometimes we will think that disruptions are accidents. But let me tell you, this accident can take you into a place to become aware and conscious of the things that sometimes we miss, that sometimes we disregard, and sometimes we ignore. So do not dismiss these moments of disruption in your life. I remember when I was living in L.A. and my wife or my girlfriend in that time was living here in Vacaville. And I would drive from L.A. over here constantly, almost at least once a month. And in my 20s, I thought the great idea was to drive at night. I'm leaving at 12 at night, and I'm going to drive the whole night. The most ridiculous thing to do. This is not helpful. I'm surviving with monsters and five-hour energies on my way over here. Not healthy at all. And I remember one of those days, I was driving. It was probably five in the morning, you know. I'm driving the whole five over here. And there's a little road on the way, the 12, that it's kind of like a shortcut to get to where my wife used to live. And you need to pay attention because, I mean, you miss it. But I have done it so many times that I'm like, yeah, it will come. And I remember one day I was so exhausted. I was driving and I was so tired. And all of a sudden I get into my own head. I'm, I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm just getting into my own head. I lose track of what's happening around me. Not a good thing. And I'm just going. And I don't know. I'm having conversations with myself. And I'm having a very deep conversation with myself apparently that I do not notice. Now, the thing is this. If I pass that exit, I have to go all the way around to Sacramento and come back. To back up. This is another hour and something. 
And I'm, I'm driving friends, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I just come to reality. And I'm like, I don't know this part of the road. I've never seen this. Well, I already missed my exit. I'm like 5, 10 miles away from the exit. I'm dying. I'm sleepy. I want to get home. I don't, want, I don't want to do this. And I have to go all the way around to Sacramento and come back to where I live. I'm like, this is horrible. This is ridiculous. But you know what? I feel like sometimes we do live life that way. Where we just go and autopilot, and we do not notice nothing around us because we're so focused in where we're going. And we might miss a lot of things in our lives if we live life that way. Can I be honest with you? See, and I believe that God will bring this moments of disruption and interruption in your life because I believe he's inviting you to shape you and shape others. And when you find yourself in this moment, I have only one question for you today. When you find yourself in this moment, I want you to ask God, God, are you trying to shift something? Are you trying to shift my focus? Are you trying to shift my perspective or my priorities in life? I think this is a great question to ask when you find yourself in this moment. Because sometimes we think that these random disruptions have nothing to do with the mission of our lives. They're just consonants in our lives. And they have not, no connection with the progress of our lives, to, with the mission of our lives, with the flourishment of our lives. And can I be honest? Sometimes there's a deeper connection that you probably don't perceive. See, just hear me out for a moment. The Bible tells us that the girl was 12 years old, correct? And also the lady with the issue of blood was dealing with that for 12 years. Hmm. Just hear me out. That means that when she, the year that she was born, that's when this lady started having issues with her health. That means that when she was, this girl was growing in strength, this lady was decreasing and becoming more and more weak. That means that when this girl was growing and having hope for her future, this lady was losing hope for her situation. Sometimes we might not see that there's connections and the disruptions of our lives, but perhaps, maybe, just maybe, they're more connecting than what you think. Maybe you don't think that that call on I has nothing to do with your life, but it might be. Maybe that invitation to become, to become part of this group have nothing to do with your life, but probably it does. Maybe that invitation to be mentored and to serve into our community has more to do with your life than what you think. I'm just saying, maybe these moments of disruption have more connection to your life than what you think. And as I close this conversation, friends, and I invite the band to come. I want you to see something. Notice, as we finish that chapter, he heals this woman, but he also makes it to heal the young girl. One of my mentors told me this one time, 
And I keep this very close to my heart. And he told me, Antonio, when you think you're wasting your life and your time, when you ask yourself, why are these people already achieving these things? They're already accomplishing these things. I want you to know something. That God redeems time. And what you thought you lost, you didn't lost. Because he can redeem that time. Jesus actually makes it to, to the house of this girl. And by that time, she's dead accordingly to the Bible. But notice that Jesus is noticing something very important. He's like, no, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And everybody starts laughing. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Jesus? She's completely dead. She stopped breathing. She, she's done. But notice that he doesn't see this the same way we see things. He doesn't see it the same way. And that's something very important. Where you see a dead end, he might not see that. He sees a great opportunity to show his wonder, his power to your life. See, Jesus stopped and interact with this woman. The disruption, perhaps. And he heals this woman and heals the girl. Both of them. Different times, different situations, but he does. And I believe that these sacred moments are sacred because transformation can happen in your life. And let me just close my thoughts with this. I'm a preacher. I close like three, four times. Okay, so bear with me. We might be here for an hour. Just kidding, Pastor Steve. Um, Sometimes, sometimes we think that generosity is always coming from a place of abundance. Sometimes we believe that the generosity should come from the things that overflow in our lives. As long as it doesn't touch the things that really matter in my life, I'm generous. But that's not always true, friends. I'm just reminded to this moment that Jesus says, somebody touched me and power came out of me. Friends, sometimes generosity, it does feel like a sacrifice. Sometimes generosity, you will feel it. Sometimes generosity, you will feel it's like, like this sacrifice to God, this offering to say, man, I do not have a lot, but here we go. It's a lie that you only give from abundance. And sometimes it's when you feel the most empty that you experience the beauty and the wonder of His grace in your life. It's not always coming from abundance. It's not always coming from the overflow of your life. Sometimes it does feel you do not have more to give, but you're giving it I remember my wife and I, when we church plan, I had this young man. He was a complicated young man. It still breaks my heart. 
he, he was trying to follow Jesus. He was trying to give himself, I believe, the best he could. And it was, a, it was tough to walk with him, if I'm honest with you. He would deal with a lot of anxiety, depression himself. And there were some moments that I must probably in my house eating and I would get a call, hey, I'm having a panic attack. Can you just come and pick me up? I would leave my stuff and I would go and pick him up. Sometimes in the middle of the day, I was doing something in the meeting probably. He would call me, I have an inside attack. Can you just come? I'm just not feeling well. Can you just come with me? And I would come and pick him up and go around the park and walk with him. Walk. Try to be there for him. And I remember several times this happened. Several times I was there. I was there when he got divorced and I remember I thought that that was me doing my pastoral thing my pastoral you know duty and even though our relationship didn't end up well he ended up walking away disliking me because I was not there for him enough good like the the time that he needed me to be there for him which caused a lot of trouble in me Maybe it didn't transform him, but it did transform me. I didn't get anything from him. It's not that he became this man that just thrived and flourished. I, I don't know what happened with him, but I, I, I know something. That my heart was transformed every time that I give myself for the flourishment of him. Sometimes you will not see the fruit of it. But if we pursue wholeness, friends... Generosity is part of that narrative. And that's my invitation to you this morning. That if God is trying to put the pieces together in your life, live more generous, even when it hurts. Even when you feel like you're sacrificing. Even when you feel like you're running on empty. Let me tell you, that would, trans that, that would transform your life. And I'm, I'm sure it would transform their lives this moment I want to pray for you as well as we're going to go into this part of communion we remember the sacrifice of Jesus if someone give himself for us it was this man we pause in this gathering to honor this moment we have crackers and juice through here through the auditorium we have options of blue and free if you need to. Please take a cracker, take a juice. And as we sing and we worship, let this moment embrace you. And let this invitation to generosity to lead you into the wholeness that God has for you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you for this moments and this type of conversations that we get to have. Sometimes they're uncomfortable and they're trying to elevate us to the image that you imagine about us. The type of life that you have for us, God. My prayer, God, is that as individuals, you bring them into the places you want them to be, God. That they can be aware and pay attention to the things that they miss sometimes. 
that as they experience disruption and interruptions in their life, that they can see the beauty of those moments, of those sacred moments, and that they can learn how to give themselves to it, how to serve those moments, how to embrace those moments. Are you changing their priorities? Are, they, are you shifting their focus? Whatever you're doing, let them know, God. We ask you this in your beautiful name, Jesus.